Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. teaching of can't we just get along and the teachings of Romans chapter 14 and 15 and uh, what Paul has to say to us there. About three years ago I was driving down, I was not driving, I was a passenger. My best friend Dave Wells, the General Superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, was driving driving on the Autobahn in Germany at 195 kilometers an hour. And that's perfectly acceptable there. Perfectly okay to drive 195 kilometers an hour down the Autobahn. Uh, And the truth of the matter is, apparently, they have no more accidents than we do and no more fatalities than we do. So if they're driving 195 kilometers an hour down a freeway, a road, it would indicate to me that they must really be paying attention to the rules and the regulations. And so today we're going to look at a scripture, and this may stretch you a little bit, But I want you to understand this is all flowing out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where there's this tremendous gear shift in how Romans is is talking. Romans 1 to 11, theology. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to, if we're going to live the Christian life, we have to learn how to think differently. And this teaching this morning is really going to stretch some of you, but it's part of this transformed thinking that that God calls us to. So I'll start by going, before we dive into Romans, to James chapter 1 and verse 25, where I find this description of God's Word very interesting. The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty. So how does he describe, the writer describes Scripture here? It's the perfect law. It's the law of Liberty and learns to abide by it, learns to live in it, learns to dwell in it, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. We get effective at really living this stuff out. This man will be blessed in what he does. So the call of James is understand this perfect law of liberty and get effective at living it out in your lives. And this is the person who's going to be blessed in his deeds. So to understand that truth and understand what we're looking at in Romans 14 and 15, uh, I probably need to establish a couple of foundational truths. Appreciated Dr. Martini's prayer for me this morning. He could probably explain this better than me, but I'll fumble my way through it. Uh, The first thing you need to understand is Judaism was not just a religion it was a culture and a nation. It was not just a religion, it was a culture and a 
nation. So let's look at a few portions of Scripture here. 2 Samuel 16 and verse 3 from the International Standard Version. Just when you think there's no more versions out there to discover, you find a new one. International Standard Version. The king asked, where is your master's son? He's staying in Jerusalem, Ziba answered the king. He's saying the nation of Israel will restore my father's kingdom to me today. I'm not going to get into the story. I just want you to catch how Israel's described here. The nation of Israel. Didn't say the religious people, the Jews are going, the nation of Israel. Moving on to 2 Chronicles 1, in verse number 2, Solomon addressed the entire nation of Israel, including the commanders of thousands, hundreds of judges, all the leaders of Israel, all the heads of the ancestral houses of Israel. It's described as a nation, and it was set up as a nation. It had commanders, it had judges, it had leaders. Israel was a nation. It just wasn't a spiritual group of people who got together and worshipped on Saturdays. It was a nation. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 17. At the dedication offering of the temple of God, they presented 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, along with a sin offering of 12 male goats for the entire nation of Israel, according to the number of the tribes. Of so Israel, again, is described as a nation, the entire nation of Israel. Israel was not just a system of worship. Israel was a nation. It was a nation with a leader. It was a nation with armies. It was nations with, with some laws. They had laws about what you do when your wife is really beginning to get on your nerves. They had laws about what you do when your neighbor steals your cow. It had rules about who you went to see when you weren't feeling well, and they would make judgments about whether you're still able to mingle among society or you need to be bedridden for a while. They had medical systems in place. Uh, they had sanitation uh, processes that were clearly understood. And they had holidays, seven big holidays a year. Holiday of Pentecost, Holiday of the lights, the holiday of the Passover, holiday of the atonement. They had all kinds of holidays. So it was a nation. And that was all working really well for them until the Holy Spirit fell and the Gentiles began to uh, worship uh, God too. The term Gentile is a Latin word rooted in the Latin meaning nations and it's used within the Bible to differentiate the Jewish people from all non-Jews. So here the crisis starts. Here the problem starts. The Jews knew what to do when you got saved. The Gentiles accepted Jesus as their Savior, accepted the victory of the cross and the resurrection, became followers of Christ. And then the discussion came, well, if I'm a follower of Christ, do I have to keep all the rules and the laws of the nation? I'm from another nation. We don't do Hanukkah. Do I have to do Hanukkah? 
I'm from another nation. We don't do that circumcision thing. Do we have to do that? And so all of these discussions are taking place, and there's these coming together of cultures, and Paul's addressing that in Romans chapter 14 and 15. How do we handle the fact that in the church we come from all kinds of different backgrounds and dispositions and understandings of how you do things and what is right and what is wrong? And how do we learn to live together without it becoming one war after another? So that's the first thing we have to understand. Judaism was not just a religion. Second thing we have to understand is Jesus did not break the law in the strictest sense of the word, but he interpreted it with a liberty that the legalists found offensive. It wasn't intentionally out to uh, disobey as much of the Torah as he could find to disobey, but he did take some liberty with, us that the, with it that the legalists really had trouble with. Luke chapter 11, verse 37 to 39, Jesus was speaking. As he was speaking, I found that interesting. This Pharisee obviously interrupted the sermon. Jesus was speaking, was speaking, and one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. And his host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees, so careful to clean the outside cup of the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Jesus ate din-din without washing his hands. My mom's dead, but if she'd read that last week, it would have killed her. <laughs> Jesus ate dinner without washing his hands. Jewish custom was, you don't eat dinner without performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Luke chapter 6, 1 to 5. One Sabbath day, Jesus is walking through the grain fields. His disciple broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, broke the law, woo, by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat, he also gave some to his companions. And Jesus said, the Lord, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying, yeah, I gave you the Sabbath. I gave you the Sabbath as a day of rest. And rest. But the Sabbath wasn't made so you could keep rules. The Sabbath was made for your benefit. And there's no sense calling it a day of rest if you're starving. So if you're starving and there's no food around and you're in the middle of a grain field, take some grain and have a bit to eat. Pharisees couldn't accept common sense because their rules said you don't 
do anything like that on the Sabbath. But Jesus took some liberty with the rules, the laws, the customs of the time, uh, because there was a need there. The need trumped the rule. Luke 7, to 35 really reveals the problem with legalism. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness eating grasshoppers. And you say he's possessed by a demon. And I, on the other hand, go to your feasts and drink with you, and you say I'm a glutton and a drunkard. Terrible, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Legalism will put you in a really difficult place where the people who aren't having any fun, you say, well, you, you, there's something wrong with you. You must have a demon. And then if they see somebody who is having fun, they got to make sure you're not having fun because good Christians don't have fun. They've got a very little strip they let you live in. But God wants us, as we come together as people, to discover that in the kingdom of God there is maybe more liberty than we've discovered. And really, we're supposed to stand fast in the liberty <laughs> wherewith Christ has set us free and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, 10 road signs on the highway of Christian liberty. I'm going to drive 195 kilometers an hour. For those of you who like stories, you're going to be deeply disappointed. I have no significant story for you this morning until the end. So, write quickly as we take notes. First road sign, extend acceptance to every believer. Extend acceptance to every believer. We talked about that in depth last weekend. Uh, we buried my mom on Thursday morning. We had a triumphant, victorious celebration of her life Thursday afternoon. My three sisters gave eulogies of my mom, and uh, Donna, Pastor Donna, gave a eulogy of her too. I was asked to leave the service. I told them they had three minutes, and every one of them obeyed me except my younger sister. But every one of them talked about how accepting a person my mom was. It moved me to hear them. And it reminded me that that is a trademark of people of faith. We accept one another. Number two, do not dictate to others what they can or cannot do so that the Lord can direct their lives. Some of us are control freaks. We really like to be in charge. We really like things done our way. I won't ask you to stand if you fit into that group. But we need to get over that. We need to get over that. 
You see, in prophesying that something was about to change, the Old Testament prophets talked about uh, the fact that something new is going to come, and I'm no longer going to write your law on the law on tablets, but I'm going to write it on your hearts. And some of us are so convinced of what everybody else should be doing that we want to, early in their spiritual development, hand them a tablet of the 10, 12, 14 things that are right and wrong for them to be doing. And we rob them of the opportunity to get into God's presence with God's Word and figure out what the Holy Spirit is saying to them and what he's calling them to do and to be. Don't be the Holy Spirit for someone else. Don't be the Holy Spirit for someone else. Number three, Never assume a position that you are not qualified to fill. Romans 14, 9 to 12. So we talked about the first two last week. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. When you stand in the Lord's presence, who are you going to give account to? You're going to give account to God. There's nobody worshiping with this, you this morning who you're going to have to give account to. We give ourselves account to, to the Lord. We're his servants. He is the master. He's the Lord of each one of you. He's who we give account to. And the truth of the matter is... Uh, we're not in a position to even try to be the judge of others. Do, uh, do you ever think you really have all the facts? Do you ever think you really do? Have you kidded yourself to think that, that you uh, understand the motives of other people's heart? You've got some extra sense of perception into people's hearts? Do you believe that? Do you understand the events and the relationships and the circumstances they were brought up in that brings them to act and respond the way they do? What puts us in a position uh, to assume the role of judging others and telling others what to do? Never 
assume a position you're not qualified to fill. 195 kilometers an hour, point number four, road sign four. Express liberty wisely. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. This is verse 15. Read that six times a day the rest of this week and come back and tell me what the Lord says to you. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That's a really interesting verse to me. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. I have a deep confidence that the group of people who are sitting in front of me right now really want to serve Christ acceptably and to be approved by man. I, I just have a real confidence there that that's the kind of people I'm speaking to. How do we live in that way that we're serving Christ acceptably? Well, we express our liberty wisely. We express our liberty wisely. There are times, friends, when you can eat your red meat in public, and there are times you should eat your red meat in the privacy of your home. Don't destroy somebody who thinks red meat is of the devil by eating it in front of them. Use your liberties wisely. And I pick on red meat here because I figure it's probably pretty safe in Canada. Number five, road sign five. Never intentionally offend a weaker brother. Romans 14, verse 21. It's good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. This is not an election. The church is not running for uh, parties where we take different positions on things with the idea and desire of coming out on top. Some of you uh, may think that those tiny little cups we pass around to celebrate the Lord's Supper are absolutely ridiculous. And you may want us to use big cups we can all drink out of together and share germs with one another. 
different opinions. Don't split the church over it. Drink out of the little cup and go make a big cup at home and have your own communion service. Never intentionally offend a weaker brother. One of the rules of the law of liberty. And number six, there's no need to broadcast your views to convince others how right you are. This is a great verse, Romans 14, 22. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Before I talk about the first part of the verse, let me talk about the last part. You have to have your own convictions. Blessed, happy is the person in developing their own convictions, develops good, solid convictions that are not going to bring them into condemnation. You make sure the convictions you develop are good, solid ones that honor the Lord. Happy is the person who doesn't bring condemnation into his life because of the crazy convictions he or she has developed. But then the first half of the verse... The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. So, who do you have it before? You have it before God, and what else is it? It is your own conviction. Maybe you don't like the Easter bunny. I respect the pathway you have walked to come to that conviction. I honor you in that conviction. But don't broadcast it all over the church so it becomes a divisive issue where we got the uh, Easter bunny lovers on this side and the Easter bunny haters, the three of you, on this side. Don't live like that. Don't conduct your relationships in the body of Christ like that. Have convictions. Have firm convictions. Have strong convictions. Be a person of character and strength. But part of that is having the strength of character to accept the fact that other people are going to see some things differently than you. Road sign seven. Be aware. Exercising personal liberties indiscriminately and hurting weaker believers is sin. Truth is, food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we don't eat red meat, nor better if we do eat red meat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, eating at the wrong restaurant, eating that meat that was supposed to be bought for idol worship, 
Will not his conscience, if he weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? He says, you can get somebody by observing you living against their own conscience. And the call of God is for us to be true to our convictions. And we're going to be held accountable for being true to our own convictions. And you can drive people aside, drive them to some place where they're not able to be true to their own convictions because they've seen you eating red meat in the temple restaurant. And really, the strong Christians can do it, but the strong Christians also realize that if it's going to offend somebody, it's not worth doing. Which is a pretty good segue to sign number eight. Don't live to please yourself. Don't live to please yourself. Romans chapter 15. Now we who are strong, and remember somebody switched the price tags on us, we tend to think of the strong Christian as the one who really knows the rules and lives by them. But in the context of Romans 14 and 15, the weak Christian is the one who has all the rules and wakes up in the morning uh, making sure, vowing to God that he's never going to take any grain heads in the harvest field. We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Catch the emphasis of these three verses. Don't, verse third line, don't just please yourself. Fourth and fifth line, we're to please our neighbor. And... Uh, Sixth and seventh line, Christ did not please himself. Memo. It's not about you. We don't live to please ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about us. We don't live to please ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. All things are lawful, <laughs> but all things aren't going to benefit you, and all things are not going to benefit the body of Christ. And Christians are people who do not live for themselves. They live for him. And I would take it a step further and say we live for each other. Road sign number nine. All convictions must be personal and word-based. So Paul is ending this discussion uh, in Romans uh, 15, 
And we'll get there in a second. Romans 14, verse 5, he says, One person regards uh, one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. So, some people come to Christ and, and they think as Christians, of course you celebrate Hanukkah. They did it in the Bible. And some Christians come to Christ and they say, ah, that's ridiculous. We're Christians. We don't celebrate Hanukkah. We celebrate Christmas. And then there are some people who say, Hanukkah? Christmas, Hanukkah is Jewish, Christmas has its roots in paganism. We don't celebrate anything. And believe it or not, I've pastored all three. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. You just be fully convinced in your own mind. You know where you stand and know why you've arrived there. And then don't go broadcasting around the church your position and running into the church every Saturday night to take all the lights off the Christmas tree. Be fully convinced in your own mind and be true to your convictions but don't split the church over it. Uh, Romans 15, verse 4. So now we're at the end of this discussion about weaker, stronger brothers and all of us learning to get along. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. <laughs> so what do we do as Christians? We have a responsibility, and this is what we need to teach our young believers. And, I, and I, I love the title of Pastor Gordon's classes, Biblical Principles. We need to teach biblical principles to Christ. Not a list of rules. We need to teach them how to get alone with God's Word and listen to the voice of the Spirit and build their own convictions. That's our responsibility. It really, really matters. Your convictions need to be personal and so strong inside of you, not because you got them as a list from somebody who led you to Jesus, here's what you need to start doing now, but because you got into God's presence and you got into God's Word, and as a result of being in God's presence and in God's Word, you know where you stand. That's how this thing works. And number 10. Driving this fast wears me out. In everything you do, maintain the unity of the Spirit. So here's Paul's concluding comment after all of this instruction about weaker brothers and stronger brothers. Read it now. Romans 15. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement 
grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's he saying here? I need all of you guys to line up with these laws of liberty. And I need you to speak the same thing here, and I need you to be true to your convictions, and I need you to give space to others to have different convictions and to have their own convictions. And all of you be of the same mind about this with one accord. Uh, it's a real major emphasis of New Testament, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk manner, in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, I just had to tell him what he was doing was wrong. It's the right thing to do. Was it? Did it maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? That's the hallmark of walking worthy of him. We carry no responsibility to make people think like us. Uh, next verse. Jesus is praying about to ascend to the right hand of the Father. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. So he's praying for his disciples. But now he's praying for those also who believe in me through their word. So we are descendants of the disciples who believed in Christ through their word, what they've taught us. So he's praying for us here, that we may all be one, even as you, Father, or me, and I and you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, and that they may be perfected in unity so the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Promised you a story. First time I ever went to church and I had to stand in line to get into the church was I went to Chuck Swindle's church, now called Charles Swindle in California. The line was about two blocks long, and you just kind of stood there and slowly made your way to the entrance of the church. Charles Swindle tells the story of meeting with a Christian leader of a denomination who said this, said, I'm, I'm sorrowful today. My heart is saddened. We just lost one of our global workers, a great couple, 
And Charles Swindle said, tell me the story. He said they were a young couple who felt called to when he named the nation to serve as missionaries. They were well qualified. We sent them over there. They joined in ministry with a bunch of seasoned other missionaries. And after being there for just a little while, they discovered that there was absolutely no peanut butter in the country. And all the other missionaries, the mature missionaries, decided that a proof of the call of God on their life and their obedience to the call of God and the sacrificial spirit that all Christians have to carry is they were going to do without peanut butter because God had called them there. But this young couple was a little more creative than that. And they found a friend and a way to get a big jar of peanut butter shipped to them every two months. And the seasoned missionaries didn't appreciate that they had peanut butter because if they were really called to serve God in this land, they wouldn't be eating peanut butter. They would be sacrificing for Jesus. And they ended up ostracizing that couple. And for two years, they served alone or tried to serve without any friends because they had peanut butter. Friends, they ended up saying enough of this and packing up their bags and returning home never to serve again as missionaries or ministers. All over peanut butter. Friends, Relationships are more important than rules. Don't destroy the work of God over peanut butter or earrings or cosmetics or Sunday shopping. It's not worth it. Book of Galatians, and I end with this. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. You don't use your freedom for licentiousness, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> we just love one another.
And if we don't, and we choose to bite and devour one another, we just end up consumed of one another. It's not worth it, friends, to fight and argue about peanut butter. and Sunday shopping, whether women can dye their hair or not. Have your own convictions and have strong convictions. Have your own convictions and have strong convictions. But respect the right of others to get into the Word of God and in the presence of the Holy Spirit to come to their own convictions. Let us stand. I'm going to invite you to just take a moment. Uh, go back to that last verse I had up there, Galatians 5. And I just want you to read that a couple of times. And then I want you to turn it into a prayer for yourself. I want you to pray that God will help you to, to live that out. Father, I'm guilty of thinking that the way I was raised and the culture I was raised in and the traditions I was taught and the list I had was part of the pathway to heaven. Forgive me. Pray, Lord, that you would do a work in my heart where uh, I'm willing to love and embrace and accept the reality and the right of others to have their own convictions, knowing that ultimately they'll be responsible to you for them. Do that work in my heart. Do that work in our hearts. And may the neighborhood church be known as a place where we love one another and not a place where we bite and devour one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.